Hello and welcome to the show. HSG News is a podcast where we have multiple reporters reporting on one certain subject each month. Or once a week if it's urgent news. There's just one thing that's different about this news program than most news programs. Our reporters are kids. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now, on with the show. Our first reporter for tonight will be Nehemiah McSpadden on Starship's Missing to Mars. I am Nehemiah McSpadden, and I will be reporting on Starship's Missing to Mars and on Falcon's launch on Sunday to the ISS. Let's start with Starship. On November 10th, it did its second static fire, and we have nothing to report on that one. However, on the 13th, uh, Friday the 13th of this month, some bad stuff happened. The first thing that happened is, of course, the static fire. A few seconds afterwards, one of the Raptor engines started dripping molten metal. At least one Raptor engine will need to be replaced. Then, the pneumatic system in the Starship failed, and gases started to build up inside. If they couldn't get the gases out, the Starship would explode. Luckily, in the nose cone, a disc burst, and it started releasing gases out of the nose cone. Pieces of the nose cone will need to be replaced, if not the entire nose cone. Something interesting for your, for all you superstitious people listening is that this happened on Friday the 13th. So, what does this mean for the 15th, 15 kilometer flight? Well, it really depends on a few factors. Number one, how safe SNA is, since it cannot control the valves right now. SpaceX actually waited 24 hours before going to SNA afterwards. They will have to replace the entire pneumatic system. Another factor is what was melting out of SNA. Was it a Raptor engine or was it a piece of a fuel tank? Can they make SN8 safe again? We will find out. However, right now, this everything indicates that this launch will take place in December, if SN8 is to fly at all. It, there's a chance that it will be um, SN9, which I do not think has been made yet, but it might have. Uh, so... After this, if they do not repair it correctly, there is a chance it explodes if it takes off, just like its counterpart, SN4, earlier this year. SN4 had five static fires, and on the sixth, it exploded in a massive fireball. As for Super Heavy, the plans had changed for it to be, have 28 Raptor engines instead of 37. Now, for Crew 1, the Dragon capsule dubbed Resilience, there are four astronauts. Michael S. Hopkins, who is, who is commander of the Resilience, and also who will serve as an engineer on the ISS. He was a crew member of the Space Shuttle Expedition in 2013, and was a crew member of the ISS. He has logged 169 days in space, including this mission. Sochi Noguchi is another crew member who has been on three different missions, including this one, and is now one of only five astronauts to have flown on 
three different flying systems. He is also one of the five Japanese astronauts to go into space and the fourth to work on the International Space Station. He is going to be one of the two flight engineers. Victor J. Glover, the pilot of this mission, is a graduate of the NASA astronaut class of 2013, and this will be his first time in space. He will also be the first black astronaut aboard the ISS for an extended period of time. Shannon Walker has served on the ISS before and was also flight engineer on a flight similar to this one back in 2010. She is a flight engineer on this mission. Watching the video of the launch, it's really weird to see all of Mission Control in masks. Luckily, on this flight, everything went to plan, and the four are now on the ISS. I got this information from the YouTube channels To the Future with Zuxon Sebastian, Great SpaceX, NASA Spaceflight, The Everyday Astronaut, and the official SpaceX YouTube channel. As for websites, I got it from nasa.gov and space.com. Stay tuned next week for information on the possible new space race between the U.S. and China. Any questions? Okay. Which piece of metal is more likely to melt? Probably the engine, because um, the gas tank would be holding the gas, and if the gas tank was what was melting, then most likely the gas that was inside the gas tank would have exploded. Um, is the term astronaut, I, I always thought that that was specific to the United States space uh, program. Is that a generic term now for Japanese and everybody? I'm not actually sure on that one. I know the Russian astronauts are still called cosmonauts, but I don't know about the other places. Why are there so many static fires? Well, on SN8, this is probably going to be the last static fire if it went correctly. It's usually because the last static fire did not go exactly as planned or because they're still developing that spaceship and need to make sure it, everything works. So on SN4, um, it had so many static fires because it was only the fourth Starship prototype. SN stands for serial number. Did you just say serial number? Yeah. <laughs> That's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's creative. <laughs> Our second reporter for tonight will be Maggie Howard on the COVID-19 vaccine. COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2, and this virus is all around the world. And all around, scientists are trying to find a vaccine. Some of the promising vaccines have two shots, some only have one. Here are three promising-looking vaccines. The Pfizer vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and the Moderna vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine. 
This vaccine is going through trial in the U.S., Germany, Turkey, South Africa, Brazil, and Argentina. They will collect data another two years. The companies plan on producing 50 million vaccine doses this year and 1.3 billion in 2021. This vaccine is a mRNA, which means you inject some of the virus's genetic code to train your immune system. The vaccine must be at 80 Celsius, but it can be kept in the fridge for five days. It appears to be over 94% effective. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It has restarted since a patient had medical problems, but they concluded it had nothing to do with the injection. The company is the only one aiming to protect with a single shot. It has only just restarted, so I do not have very much information. The Moderna vaccine. The vaccine is said to be nearly 95% effective, and they plan to apply for the approval of the vaccine in the next few weeks. The UK has said that they will give the vaccine to the oldest people. Short-lived fatigue and headache were reported in some patients. This vaccine is also in mRNA. This vaccine can be stored in a fridge for a month and at 20 Celsius. My resources were BBC and NBC. Any questions? And has Killbud seriously take one of these vaccines? Well, I'm... Could she or should she? Should she. Well, I'm not sure how that works. Like, if they have it, would it cure it? But after she gets rid of the COVID, I would say that she should probably get one. Our next reporter for tonight will be Greta Ramsey, reporting on the U.S. presidential election. I'm Greta Ramsey with an update on the recent United States presidential election. On Tuesday, November 3rd, many Americans voted for president in person at the polling places. But because this is 2020 and we are in the midst of a pandemic, many other voters chose to vote either in person early at their local clerk's office or via mail-in ballot. Over the recent months, current President Donald Trump spread his belief that mail-in voting was ripe with inaccuracies and likelihood of fraud. On the other hand, his challenger, Joseph Biden, indicated that all voting was secure and he encouraged his supporters to vote, including using the convenience and safety from large crowds that early in mail-in voting could provide. This resulted in many mail-in votes for Biden, some also for Trump, and many in-person votes for Trump. While the results of the polling place votes were tabulated at the close of the voting day, tabulating mail-in votes took longer. Now that all votes have been counted, Joseph Biden has won both the majority of popular votes and those votes needed via the electoral call. Even so, the current president has not yet conceded the election contest to Biden. In fact, President Trump has energized his supporters to believe that the results of the November 3rd election of Biden and Harris were due to unfair practices. 
While many states voted either blue, Democrat, or red, Republican, as historically expected, some states flipped. One big change occurred in Georgia. Georgia usually votes Republican, but this year, in very close race, the Democratic challenger won the majority of the votes. One reason this happened was due to the work of Stacey Abrams. Abrams ran for governor of Georgia in 2018 on the Democratic ticket, and she lost to Brian Kemp, the Republican. Abrams never officially conceded her loss, but ended her campaign attributing her loss to systemic voter suppression. Abrams started an organization, Fair Fight, to raise money and organize voters. Through Abrams' efforts in Fair Fight, Abrams energized thousands of new voters, in particular those who were young and unregistered and those in minority groups who had never been explicitly sought as voters. Fair Fight gave members of the electorate a belief that their votes could matter. Many new voters in Georgia swayed the 2020 presidential election toward Biden, and Georgia went blue by a very slim margin. Research about this issue came from APnews.com, TheHill.com, and FoxNews.com. Who is included in those minorities? Like, those people who voted this year that didn't vote in other years? I'm not sure, but I'll look into it. Our last reporter for tonight will be Zayden McSpadden reporting on movies during COVID. And the last time I reported, I told you about people finding new ways to make and watch movies. But now, according to NPR News, 500-plus theaters have shut down, including Regal Cinemas. Disney has laid off hundreds of employees and many actors. Stage lighting watchers and other movie employees are out of business while others are finding alternative ways to continue work such as remote filming, use of mannequins, and more. This leads us to wonder, what is next for the film industry and the regular holiday movie releases? Americans across the country are feeling the desire to together with friends and families this holiday season. We know that generally big movies such as Star Wars and Disney animated films are released to holiday moviegoers. This year with COVID-19 reaching its highest rates yet, the Center of Disease Control is recommending business close and while some theaters have come up with create seating arrangements and ways to open to customers, for many others, the costs of being open to so few audience members isn't worth the expense. Plus, many states, such as Indiana, have new orders starting this weekend will, that will limit crowd sizes to 25 people in the highest risk red countries and 50 people 
counties and and fifty people in the next fiftiest Orange counties. With larger events needing approval from local health officials, we will be watching all new 2020 releases on ta online until they are released to DVD until COVID is no longer a pandemic. Some of the movies that will be released in December 2020 include Peter Rabbit, Wonder Woman, 1984, The Crudes, on November, on November 25th, Soul, on Disney, Disney Plus, and DreamWorks. What might be next? COVID-19 continues long enough, and new movies may shut down completely. My resources were National Public Radio, New York Times, and Disney and the Wall Street Journal. Our next reporter for tonight will be Forrest Ramsey, reporting on the Artemis Missum. Freely, when we do travel, I guess that each of us has a few special personal items that we take with us. I travel with a backpack full of labor or a tote bag of books, color pencils, and paper. I shall take a personal preference kit, PPK, which is a small box of whatever the astronaut is being important for the kit. The PPK measurement is 5 inches by 8 inches by 2 inches and weighs no more than 3.3 pounds. Contents of PPP, PPKs vary, but often include camera equipment for photographs in space. The PPK was first used in 1965 for the Gemini missions. At that time, astronauts carried a 6-inch by 7-inch drawstring bag. A Gemini astronaut, Wally Shearer, shared that in his PPK he put his Florida hunting license in Navy hands. NASA recently invited the public to respond to their hashtag NASA Moon Kit with what they would pack in their PPK. Some responses include the labels, what would you pack in your PPK? I researched this story on NASA.gov. <laughs> Any questions? What you what you put in your PPK? Um. Yes, Cameron. First and foremost, a picture of my lovely, loving wife. And uh, you know, secondly, I think if I were in space, I would really miss playing music. And in that box, I could fit a harmonica, maybe even two or three. So much to the chagrin of my fellow astronauts, I'm sure. Well, that was the end of the show. If you want to support us, please leave a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Our reporters tonight were Nehemiah McSpadden on Starship's Missing to Mars, 
Maggie Howard on the COVID vaccine, Forrest Ramsey on the artist Artemis Misson, Greta Ramsey on the U.S. presidential election, and Zayden McSpadden on movies during COVID. HSG News' podcast editor is Nehemiah McSpadden, with music by Lila Howard. Thank you.